Coming to you from the FU Tony Podcasting Studio. This is Brothers Beers and Banter, starring Tony and Mike. All right, uh, I am Tony. I am the host of this uh, show here, and I am sitting with my brother Mike. And we are going to talk about movies, TV shows, pop culture kind of things and stuff that interests us. And uh, hope you enjoy. We're going to start off talking about uh, Star Wars and Kenobi. Uh, the okay. Disney Plus show, and we have not spoken about this uh, at any point, so we're going into this just as fresh as you guys are. So, and and just to be clear, there's still one episode left. Yes, that'll air tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, we don't know what the uh, final episode is going to bring. Right, and so we'll have to come back and do another follow-up episode to see how it finishes up and uh see uh see what we thought of the finale the series finale and it'll probably be swiftly followed up with the release of dr strange and the multiverse of madness which also comes out tomorrow yeah i probably won't watch that tomorrow i'm probably gonna have to pick that up on uh, thursday get my fellow obi-wan and then watch that the next day I gotta imagine we're not gonna come back tomorrow and do another podcast, so we can get together at some point and do that. <laughs> but sometime in between now and then, we will uh, watch the series finale of Kenobi and also Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which I saw at the theater, so I've already seen it once and thoroughly enjoyed. No spoilers. No spoilers today, but. <laughs> <laughs> When we talk about it after we've both seen it, there's going to be spoilers galore. So, initial thoughts on the Kenobi show. So far, there the Obi-Wan Kenobi story itself, so far I'm not impressed. I'm a little disappointed, and uh, there's a couple reasons for that. Mostly I'm disappointed because I think it's really hard to do a series where you already know what the ending is going to be. And the beginning. <laughs> right. Yeah. So when there there's events that happen in the series, like certain main characters face off, you already know how it's you already not know that end. They're, they're not going to kill each other <laughs> right. because they both show up in the following movie. <laughs> Nobody's going to get lightsaber to death here, folks. Yeah. So, so it... Well, yes, they did call it Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, it, it's it's becoming a theme with these Disney Plus shows where it's not so much about the title character. Um, the Mandalorian is kind of about the Mandalorian, but it's more about Grogu. And um, the Book of Boba Fett was about the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I don't think they are necessarily... I think it's a little bit of bait and switch when they were building up Kenobi. Everybody thought it was going to be how he was looking after Luke and this and that. And turns out now that he's looking after Leia. At some point, yes, he's, he changes his focus to Leia for some weird storyline that I don't see So coming to a uh, exciting conclusion with one episode left. I could be wrong. It's, yeah, uh, honestly, the, the storyline that I like about this is more the inquisitors i like how they've introduced that because that's a big plot point of like the uh the video game the fallen order like he's basically being hunted by 
the Inquisitors the whole the whole game. So bringing the game into the TV shows and the movies and making it all canon, bringing that together, I like that. But if you've never seen or if you've never played the game or read any of the comics where the Inquisitors were kind of introduced or anything like that, it's probably not as exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Darth Vader. Love it. Everything that he should have been all these years is, uh, (laughs) you know, you're getting more and more of that as these uh, shows and these uh, movies, you know, like Rogue One and Kenobi now coming out. Like, you get to see, like, how powerful he actually is. Right. can be when he wants to be. He's not all reserved like he was in the original movies. He's Yeah, where he's a 90-year-old man. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, you'd see Anakin letting fucking loose and, you know, really just being like, oh, I will cripple the fuck out of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will beat the shit out of you without even picking up a lightsaber, which was that Grand Inquisitor battle where he's just swatting <laughs> her away. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, I think some of the some of the other like uh, you know seven eight nine recently have uh, you know they've kind of been able to retcon some of that stuff that came out in those movies where you know like uh, Kylo stops the laser blast in midair and now you got Vader like completely defending himself from lightsabers with just the Force you know yeah the so that's kind of neat I like saying that and some of it yeah some of the stuff is being retconned as they're doing it though like ray having the force healing power you know she heals the snake and you know the last one it's like and then the only way that they justified that was grogu did it and the mandalorian (laughs) like there's never been any any even speculation at that in any of the other movies but all of a sudden you know because they have that avenue of having the tv show and the movie going on at the same time you can retcon force healing powers out of nowhere, and and at some point you got to make this stuff new and exciting and fresh. And so, I, and I think that's the other reason that they did it with Leia instead of Luke. Like you, you've had Obi Wan with Anakin. You've had like Obi- you've seen Luke's you've story had, for the most part, right? You've had Obi Wan with Luke. You've had Luke with Kylo Ren. You know, you always see why they can go to the dark side, like okay well vader was my dad you know vader was my grandpa but you don't see you don't you're not getting the other side of that like padme was my mom and she was just and of the you know of a positive vibe and leia was a super strong figure you know she she was leading the resistance you know like you don't like that part of it really doesn't get touched on too much it's always everybody's always fighting the dark side you know like there's darkness within me, but with all those characters, there was just as much light as there was dark, you know? Yeah, one of the things that I want to see in this last episode, because I haven't seen it yet, is I want to see them, um, to the audience at least, for the for an awkward way of doing it, is to show Leia, you know, with Force abilities. Because when they sprung that on the last, you know... The last movie where she's Force-sensitive and yeah, she's Jedi training and right, doing or she's, all that. Well, no, she's, like, floating through space using the Force, you know. Right, and, yeah, yeah. 
you know, and I don't really like to get into the whole like, well, this isn't technically accurate. She would have froze to death because you know, carrying the story forward and yeah, technically, Ryan none Johnson, of, none of this <laughs> is fucking accurate because nobody would be able to. Yeah, you know, but I think that would be something good that they can show in this series. Is just, some little. It doesn't even have to be that long. Like a little six seconds of her just like. Just you know, moving moving the beer can across the table like that. Or, I would be happy with that. Or moving the, her little fucking droid or something yeah. like that. You know, turning it on from across the room or something like that. Yeah. You know, something something, something a little goofy just to show some kind of force ability long before you know they threw it into a movie out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd agree with you holistically. Like naming it Obi Wan is kind of a it's a little bit of a big misdirection. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's really about Leia and Vader so far and the Inquisitors. And it seems like Kenobi's just kind of along for the ride. It's kind of background noise on it. And like I said, I think that's a lot of the, you know, Disney plus Star Wars shows. They're mostly like that. You know, you think you're getting one thing and you get something entirely different. And I never talked to you about um, even Book of Boba Fett. Like, what did you think about that? I thought it was slow on the uptake, like the beginning, you know, getting the series going. And then when they kind of established, like, where things were headed, I think that's when it started to get better. Um, I'm always a sucker for seeing, like, old, you know, like the huts, you know, coming back and, you know, the rancor. So it seemed like it was kind of really slow moving. And then, like, the last, you know, few episodes, it was, like, fireworks for, like, two full episodes. That's the thing, though. Like, I think it was only six episodes, so you're talking about two-thirds of the series. Right. Where at least if at least one, if not two, were all Mandalorian. They were, Like, I don't even think Boba Fett was in the episodes. Like, there's there's one where he's training with the Darksaber, like, and then there's the one I, that might be the same episode that he goes and finds Grogu and Luke. Like, he, there's a whole episode where... Boba Fett's not even in the fucking show. Yeah, you might be right. <laughs> so, you might be right. So, I, like, that bait-and-switch kind of thing is, like, that didn't bug me because, like you said, it was kind of slow, all the stuff with the Sand People and him training that, like, and then the Spice Runners and that storyline. And, like, the part that bugged me about it, there's no, there's no explanation whatsoever in any of the six episodes as to why he feels such a strong need to take that to take over most eyes get out of that out (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's i think part of it is just because of his journey and then it becomes you know him um kind of being left to die you know that kind of realization that you know i'm not immortal i'm gonna die soon and here's these people the sand people that came and, you know, despite their ferocity and their... Right, but the sand people don't they live They took care in, of them. The sand people don't live in Mos Eisley. He's not, he's not looking to take over the sand people. He's looking to take over the... Be the daimyo or whatever of... Yeah, but it started because when they were running the spice, they started, you know, killing the sand people. And I think that's where it started. And then it became more like, all right... I'm gonna I'm gonna run things now. Yeah, it just seemed it just seemed kind of like they never really like kind of ex- 
explain that. Like, it, yeah, there's it, a lot to there's a lot to interpret. Like, in one one piece of dialogue would have cleared that up and would have give that character you would have understood more what he was kind of feeling and why what was motivating him but at that point like you went through all six episodes and you know he's as from the last episode of the mandalorian you know the post credit scene he shoots uh bib fortuna and he sits on the chair so he's the leader but nobody nobody questions why so i think it's it's a I think it's also a story of, like, how do you go from being, I'm a bounty hunter my entire life to now I want to run an entire crime syndicate? Like, I don't necessarily know if it's that linear or if it's, hey, I was in this bad situation. I was in, you know, with uh, with Jabba. I was on the wrong side of it. I almost died. I'm, I'm at rock bottom. Like, I have, I'm not even a bounty hunter anymore. Like, I can barely even take care of myself. And then his climb, you know, back up to, you know, a position of power, ultimately taking the seat of, you know, Jabba, who employed him before. Now he's, you know, that that guy. <clears throat> so I think that just speaks to, like, people's, you know, well, his character's desire to be more and do more. And um, I think, you know, with it being disney for lack of better words they're they're not going to get into anything like you know any hardcore like things that are happening with him so no. i think it's just somebody trying to climb out from nothing you know to have to be important again maybe yeah. i'm wrong it just seems know. like a weird character arc because yeah i get the going from from being a bounty hunter to running an organization like climbing the corporate ladder if you will but the going from i'm a bounty hunter who will liquefy fucking people to i want to save this entire town that's a weird arc to go on with no explanation like you do a pretty fucking hard 180 on that without any real like okay i guess the sand people helping him yeah, you know, that's a little bit of the explanation than that. Like maybe he wants to return the favor, but he, in the end, he doesn't help the same fucking people. <laughs> they're, right. They're but, how, but how do you how do you insulate yourself from being a victim of something again? You become the boss. And I guess that part I understand. Yeah. But being the boss with violence versus being the boss with I want to save this town. I want to save these people. I want to. Like these people that are on the street, like I want to, I want to take care of them and make sure that they're taken care of. Like that's like the Good Samaritan, right? Like I want to be the good sheriff versus the fucking leading with an iron fist. You know, like that's you know you're not, and that might be part of that arc too, where you're, you know you're going from that where I just did everything for money all the time, and I went and killed and I did heinous things just for a buck. And here's my redemption where I can just take care of people because I want to. I have the ability to, you know. So you think it's more of a redemption story than... It could be. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I think I never really thought about it that hard. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, um, that's, that's the thing that I butted up against probably the most. Like, the fact that the Mandalorian was in it for two out of the six episodes and they were about him... 
I kind of liked it because the story was slow going at that point. Yeah. I do like that they tied it together and got the sheriff from the the one town and then he got killed. <laughs> so, yeah. like, but that's... Timothy. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Alifant. Yeah. And, and you never know, too, the way they have these things planned out. Like, this all might make sense in, the, in another series in the or another movie or, or, yeah, another season of the same show. And they're going to loop back around and be like, oh, Mandalorian 3. You know, that's it, why this is relevant now. And I'm sure that they're going to get there. It's just looking at it as a self-contained season some of the things i thought fell a little short and yeah and i think we're out of that luxury even with marvel um and the different things that they're doing now i think we're out of the can't look at things you can't individually. look at, yeah it's just too much going on you there's know so i haven't even watched hawkeye you know there's just so much going on that i don't think you can individualize that stuff anymore like you said if if mandalorian didn't show up in book of fat like how would the rest of that series have kind of gone out so in Book of Boba Fett, where does that fit in with the Mandalorian? Does that take place after he shows up and help? It has to because he it's got his armor back. Yeah, they're in the same. They're in the same episodes. So, and that's the other thing I kind of butted up against is how frail and feeble he was at the beginning of Book of Boba Fett. You know, as he walks into town, he's you know limping and he's always in the back to tank. And you got it, buddy. The back to dank but in the mandalorian he goes up against the mandalorian and he's fighting just fucking fine like he's a fucking badass and he's he's got all the fucking moves and he's taking out stormtroopers and fucking dark troopers like he's he's crushing ass over there without his armor and shit like that but then he's a fucking feeble old man after all that like it's you know that i don't remember the timing to be honest with you i can't well, that is the timing because when he gets into no, because he was when he goes he bo- was with the mercenary lady. Because remember, uh, Mandalorian, yeah, like shot her. So Mandalorian shot her. He picks he up. Came and he picks her. up her. Right, and then together they go and they meet the Mandalorian. Right, but Boba Fett never fought the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian. Beef. Yeah, when they show up to reclaim his armor, the two of them kind of go at it. And then together they fight off the stormtroopers. Yeah, so that's, be, that's before, before they st- fight the stormtroopers, <clears throat> him and the Mandalorian go at it before he gets his armor back. Yeah, but that's way after he rescues the Lady Mercenary and then he gets back to... So in, in the continuity of it, the Lady Mercenary gets shot in the first season of The Mandalorian. Correct. He somehow picks her up and takes mm-hmm. her to get modded, whatever, and patch up her gut. Which you see in Boba Fett. Which you see in Boba Fett. But that's like a flashback scene. So, in theory, the book of Boba Fett, the entire series, more or less takes place after the events of The Mandalorian. Because once he shows up in Mos Eisley, he's already got all his armor and shit back from The Mandalorian. Yeah, but they also don't show you everything that happens in between question mark sure yes <laughs> but like that I, th- I, I think overall the timing lines up i think you just might have i'm just to saying plug in the gaps i'm just saying like after after he gets trained by the sand people and he's you know this master warrior with a fucking sand person stick or whatever 
but he's still daily back to tanks. Like, but he survived all that time before he took over Miles Eisley, and he's fighting with the Mandalorian, and he's fighting with the stormtroopers, and he's doing all this cool shit. But then he's feeble, you know. After that, like it's, it's kind of a weird, <clears throat> weird. Well, I think part of the back to tank is like you have to continuously go back to it to like re-energize or re-heal. And that that's so weird too because they kind of retcon that out in Obi Wan because he did one, one bath in the back to tank to fix up his burned arm when he Vader threw him in the the fire, and he was fine after that. Maybe it's the same, severity of the wounds. Same like, thing with Luke so when bad. he got fucking knocked out by the Wampa and he spent a fucking night in the back of the tank and then he was fucking... And then, but then it goes and you put Finn in the back of the tank and he's in there for months. You know, like it's... Well, I think he was just unconscious. It seemed to be a while. Coma? Maybe, but... Yeah, so... The back to tank is a real magic trick, <laughs> yeah. and they kind of use it how they see fit. Like, oh yeah, Vader's always got to be in one. Boba Fett's always got to be in one. Obi Wan and Luke, yeah, a couple hours and goodness new. Well, think about those. Uh, like you, you know, you you cut your finger on a knife, okay, <clears throat> and then you go get a band aid, you patch it up, you're good to go. Sure. Then think about something like. Chronic foot pain. Something. No matter what you do. Something I know a little bit about. <laughs> no matter, you know, you take a couple aspirin right now and you'll be okay for a little bit, but it'll come back. Sure. Take some more back to aspirin. <laughs> a little bit later it comes back. So I think that's like maybe it's those reoccurring the you know, injuries that, you know, aches and pains and fatigues that, you know, are chronic and they're going to come back. So that's why he's got to constantly go back in there. Same with Vader. Like, the dude got burnt crispy and limbs cut <laughs> off. Volcanic burns. He's probably got some, you know, pains, yeah. Some dick. pains are going to last his whole life. Fucking dick burned right <laughs> off. <laughs> so, yeah, that, like I said, I, Boba Fett left me wanting a little bit. Obi-Wan, I hope they close strong, you know. Yeah, we'll find out tomorrow. Like, I don't... All I'm all I'm happy about <clears throat> is that they're gonna have more Star Wars. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I actually watched all the you know the cartoons as far as you know the Clone Wars cartoon, and then I watched Rebels. I binged watch all that stuff and all the. Some of it was homework, you know. Some of especially in the Clone Wars, there was a lot of Senate shit. There was a lot of you know, Padme episodes, and it got a little tedious, but there was a lot of stuff about, you know, Mandalore and how that fell, and, you know, a lot of the stuff with Ahsoka and, you know, Anakin, and then that last season that they released, you know, 10 years after the fact when Disney Plus took over, they did a final season on it, and it really tied it in to Revenge of the Sith and when Anakin starts, you know, Order 66, so it really tied in heavily with that last season and so that's pretty cool and but even that really didn't like the inquisitors weren't a thing in the clone wars like that didn't that didn't come about until vader so yeah i i i'm happy for the content so i don't really nitpick anymore um i used to 
like a long time ago, like plot <laughs> holes and, hey, we're not going to reconcile this issue. I'm not and now I'm just more happy that the content is out there. What I, what exists I, at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what I'm really excited about is when they're going to start doing this non-Skywalker Star Wars universe. So right now everything revolves around the Skywalker family. And rumor was is that they're going to get away from that. And they're going to make a different, like, Star Wars experience outside of the Skywalker um, storyline, which is just leaves everything open for whatever they want. And I think they've just been bound by the Skywalker story for too long. So I'm really yeah. excited if, you know, something comes of that. I'm I'm excited about that, too. I, I'm worried at the same point, though, like, you get away from the Skywalkers at this point. Like, how do you, how do you maintain that interest? You know, like when a completely new set of characters, like it, nothing at tying it to the originals. Like, at that point, aren't you really just creating something new at that point? Like, I don't oh. think it's going to be like completely detached. But if you think about like Grogu and Ahsoka and the Mandalorians' experience, those are largely. You know, I guess up until the end where Grogu's turned over to Luke, but they're largely their own. And as long as you have enough knowledge about what Star Wars is, I think you can do it. For example, the great war between the Jedi and the Sith, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to know Luke Skywalker to understand that there's good, there's evil, there's going to be new players on both sides. You you don't need to know that it exists in that universe. You don't so need tell to know who story. Luke Skywalker is, but at this point, they've made it pretty clear that they've more or less executed both sides, more or less, and Ray is the last one standing. So, without continuing it with Ray in some capacity, with her training or doing something like to some kind of Jedi training of some sort, how do you restart a Jedi order? When nobody knows anything about it. Oh, you don't. What I what I, I guess what I'm saying is is let's go backwards. So you want to do more prequels prior to like super prequels, right? Yeah. Where and kind of like what they did with Game of Thrones, right? They're like, oh, this is a moment in time, and we can see this particular story, and that we can go to a different moment in time and see this particular story, but you still understand that they exist in the same. And that would be cool. World. Like, I don't think. Going forward, you know, without, or, you know, if it's not a prequel, I don't think you can tell that Jedi Sith story going forward without somehow being tied into Rey. It's, you know, yeah, I agree with that. You know, like you're not going to have a Jedi Sith battle in the future without having it somehow connected to Rey. Like you, you, you could? could, but it'd be Bring super- the Inquisitors in, have them chasing down Ahsoka. But the, the Inquisitors haven't been a thing since. And for all intents and purposes, I think Ahsoka's dead at that point because she forced ghosts and talks to Rey at the end of that thing. So who is Palpatine's apprentice in the last movie? There's always an apprentice. Technically, he was banking it on Kylo. He wasn't his apprentice. He wanted him to be. That's like... Uh, he when... said, I'll teach you everything. Like he, he was banking on Kylo Ren being his Sith apprentice. Yeah, Maybe. I think he had something else up his sleeve. Because I think all he was waiting for for them was to, like, take their life essence so that he can continue to live. And that could be, too. Like, he 
But again, I think he was. I don't think he was banking on either one of them being that you know taking over his mantle by any fucking means. But that at that same point, Kylo was his apprentice. You know, he he's like, I'll teach you everything. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And You're probably right. So that's why I'd rather do something back back in the past. Like, how did we get? So they've got a lot of storylines like Knights of the Old Republic and shit like that. Like you go back that far, that's cool. You know, you do prequels talking about, you know, and they dove into some of that stuff um, in the Clone Wars cartoons because there was a lot that focused on like Anakin and, you know, like there's this big episode where it's they personified the father which was the force and then you had a daughter which was the light side and a son that was the dark side of the force they personified them on one of the planets or whatever and anakin fought them like he ended up killing them and that <laughs> that was him bringing balance to the force <laughs> so yeah and they I, could always tap into expanded universe and do like luke's you know Mara Jade and they had kids like right like they're, they're they they leave those gaps so wide in the um in the movies well i mean there's also but that's the thing though like you're now you're getting back into luke oh yeah i don't want to go luke i'm just saying like but you know you can what? you can weave a connection sure you know, so that you still understand the, the Star Wars universe. Or like how, how Palpatine came to be Palpatine. Like yeah, his, his Sith training. Story. You know, like. And that I think Ian cool. McDermott's a little too old to be old Palpy still, but. No, but you could <laughs> recast him as young Palpy. You know, somebody as young Palpatine, you know. How'd that work out in Solo? I like that movie. I don't care what anybody yeah. fucking says. I, I liked I, it too, but they got a lot of shit because. They got a ton of shit for Oh, recast. it's not Harrison Ford. Of no course it's not. Shit, fucking He's 19 Harrison, years old. <laughs> Harrison Ford broke his fucking hip on Indiana Jones 5. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, you can't, you can't use these bodies forever. So yeah. I, I would agree with you. I'd say go back to like Nice of the Old Republic and do something. And, yeah. and again, it's at that point, it's whatever you want it to be. Right, you know you create where any story you want. You know where the story ultimately ends, and so the ending of a story is essentially the hardest part. So you've already got that part down. So, like I said, you tell the story of Palpatine or whatever. That's long before any of the Skywalkers were even around. Or is he the one that made the whole? You know, there can only be one Sith. You know, apprentice and one Sith because there used to be. You know, so how did that happen? Like, like See, there's so many ways that you I don't can think that that's true make because, that work. Again, in the Clone Wars cartoons, they dive into the Sith a bit, and that seems to predate Palpatine. The you know there can only be two: the Master and the Apprentice. Yeah, but it did come from somewhere because way back when they would literally have armies of Jedi and armies of you know Sith lords. Do you know that to be true? I'm pretty sure it's true. I mean, I assume because the Sith are fighting the Jedi and there's tons of Jedi, but... I thought that was in one of the, um, trying to remember what, it was in one of the video games that's supposed to be canon, um, where you would go, maybe it was Battlefront, maybe the second Battlefront, where they, you know, you would go out with a bunch of Jedis and you would fight a bunch of Sith. Yeah, but, I mean... Battlefront is that really canon? There wasn't really a story to that. That's more like you could go out with a ton of fucking Wookiees or like it's Lucasfilm. It's approved. 
Yeah, but I mean, even the comics, like those, <clears throat> even those are kind of sketchy on whether they're canon or not. Like the yeah. novels, those aren't necessarily canon. Like, but the good thing about Disney is they can just make it canon. At any point, <laughs> they could make a canon. Yeah. You know, like Boba Fett crawling out of the Sarlacc pit, that actually was a comic book, and they made that canon. So, you know the original story of how he survived? He was saved by the Jawas. Really? Yeah. There is a legitimate, like, story about how he... Boba Fett? How Boba Fett lives um, and beats the beats the Sarlacc. No shit. Yep. It's a comic. Like you were saying, I'm pretty sure it's a comic. I didn't know that the Jawas were involved in it, but I know that there was a, you know, there was a comic where he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit. I didn't know that the Jawas saved him or anything like that. Nah, I Which think... kind of makes sense because the Jawas end up with his armor and that's who... Oliphant ends up buying it from in the Mandalorian. See, and that's where I thought they were going to go with it. Because it's not that he climbs out of the Sarlacc. It's that he finds a way, like, through the Sarlacc. Like, in the earth. Or the sand. However you want to say it. Like, he blasts his way out of the side of it and climbs up. Or they find him somehow. Or, like, they knock down a wall. And then he's, like, underground. And that's where, like, he heals and gets better. Like, the Jawa, like, take him. Yeah. you know, not the not the Tuscan Raiders or the Sand People, right? Um, but yeah, regardless, like they, they could do whatever they want. I don't think anyone's going to really bother. Like me, like I couldn't care less as long as yeah, like we I, get more stuff. I, I, I like more that, stuff. <laughs> I like that they're just telling the stories at all. Like it, yeah, I can nitpick fucking Boba Fett if I want to, but I have something to nitpick. You know, like it's overall, I'm still glad that it's there. Like because they're. Yeah. There are wildly redeeming things about the Book of Boba Fett. Like I said, the stuff with the Mandalorian when he goes and, you know, doesn't take Grogu away from Luke and that whole thing. You know, you get another another scene with Ahsoka. Like, all the stuff with Ahsoka, I think, is solid. And, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all building a bigger world. Yeah. Even though it's all interconnected, it's still a bigger world because of that. Yeah. Like, you see... You see Luke after Return of the Jedi starting to build his Jedi school, which up until then was completely like, when the fuck did Luke start training Jedis? You know, like you're, yeah. you know, how did Kylo Ren become one of all the Jedis that Luke was training? Like, where are all these other Jedis coming from? If Order 66 wiped out so many of them, how does he have so many fucking Jedis to train? You know, like where, like those, if they did a, because they're still large gaps of time mm-hmm. even in between those movies that they right. could explore so like you could do between you could do six and a half <laughs> you know like you oh could, yeah you could fig you could go <laughs> through all of luke training jedis and where that all went wrong and like him attacking kylo and how kylo finds fucking snoke and becomes you know a sith lord and all that stuff like that's still wildly like unexplored yeah, you know, like the ins and outs of it. You like you have the broad strokes of it, but there's still an entire movie in there. Yeah. Or where yeah, you know, Leia and Han went wrong. Like where how they fucking you know, how they had a son. Oh, yeah. See, which is why I'm saying you can go back and say, Hey, Luke Luke got uh got Mara Jade and they had a couple of kids before he opened Jedi school and Yeah. So I now, mean there... there's Mara Jades and you know, their story. So there's plenty and there will never run out of content. They're never going to run out of content because you can go back, you can go in the middle because just like they're doing with Obi-Wan, you can have like whole TV series, which I think is the way that they're, 
I don't think that they're going to focus so much on movies as these TV shows. Like, I think that watching content like that, I think, is going to be your bigger moneymaker than, you know, releasing one blockbuster every three years. I think it fills the gap and it supports the subscription-based services of, you know, Disney Plus and, you know, even for like Amazon and, you know, Netflix but they're still going to do I, – I think this is a byproduct of COVID and a byproduct of people not being able to go out and see movies in theaters. Like and I do, once that experience kind of comes back post-COVID here, I think you're going to see them balance it out where they're going to still do movie-released um, content. So you, you mentioned Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? Mm-hmm. So it's in theaters for, what was it, four weeks, five weeks before it's going to hit Disney Plus? Uh, I think six they're, weeks? I think they're running on a six-week schedule, I think. one Right. Or after, I think that's the new norm is after six weeks of, or from their original release date, it starts right. to hit streamers. So now you're going to get the best of both worlds. You're going to get to showcase the blockbuster movie six weeks, take the majority of the revenue that you're probably ever going to make out of that movie, in a theater anyway. Then you put it on your subscription platform now where you're getting people to stay engaged and pay your monthly subscription. So I think you're going to see it kind of balance out here where you'll still get series, you'll still get seasons, and you'll still get movies. I think just the movies going from the theaters to the platform will happen like with that six, you know, six, seven week time frame. Because they're going to want to grab every dollar they can get. Yeah, I get that. I just I think with those doing those big blockbuster movies, the budgets and the the time constraints and all that stuff that they're spending on them, like the the diminishing returns that they're they're seeing since COVID hit, I think you're going to see more and more TV shows telling the stories as opposed to the movies. Like I don't think that they're going to completely do away with Star Wars movies because I think that's insane. I just think that they're going to be less frequent than they would have been five years ago i'd agree they're going to be less frequent but i think there's going to be a healthy balance between i got somebody paying 15 dollars a month for a family of six to watch my movie or i'm going to get 15 dollars per person per person to go in one shot yeah yeah like look at yourself you went and saw it in the theaters and you have disney plus so you're getting it both ways yeah, you know, you but paid I mean, for the ticket and you paid for the subscription. But I don't see myself as the norm. Like, obviously, <clears throat> I have a healthy appetite for Marvel and things of that nature. And I also have impulse control issues and need to see things <laughs> when they're released, you know. Like, I even did that with... It's all numbers game. Like, I did yeah. that with Jurassic Park. Like, the new one that just came out, I saw it. Kind of wish I would have waited. Yeah. Yeah, like it, and then when I heard that, so for me, when I heard that this was going to come to Disney Plus in a couple of weeks, I didn't you, even bother. You held to, off because yeah. you know, okay, you can wait a couple of weeks, but it if the same thing was said, like there's a Star Wars movie coming out, oh, I'd go out and see it. You'd go see it sure. opening weekend. So I think that's that's the balance of it. Is you know, Marvel shit. I'll go see opening. I went and saw Morbius. You, you know, I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I wasn't incredibly jazzed with that either. You know, like it, that would have been a solid Marvel movie, you know, when the first Spider Man was released. You know, like 
20 fucking years ago probably would have been a solid movie. Yeah. The bar has been raised so high since then. It's a it was a colossal fucking, you know, disappointment to everybody. But if it would have came out 20 years earlier, it wouldn't have I don't think it would have ranked as low as it did now. Yeah. Like I think the bar has been set so high that when you release something like that and it doesn't tie in to the rest of the Marvel movies like the rest of the Marvel movies, I think that's that's where you're gapping. Like you're you've created this shared universe where if you don't yeah, you know, like they didn't have Spider Man in it. Well, you you made a movie about a Spider Man villain and made the villain the good guy, like an anti hero, but didn't tie it in until like the last five minutes of the movie. Like I think Marvel has peaked after uh Infinity War and Endgame. I think you are wrong. I I think that's a peak. I think that was the high I don't think high water level mark right there. For sure it's it's the benchmark for sure. Like you everything will be compared to it. It'll never be surpassed. You don't think so? No. I I I disagree, sir. I I disagree. Because you haven't released one movie with your A-list characters. What do you mean? Marvel now has Fantastic Four sitting on the bench. They have the X-Men sitting on the bench. They have all their properties essentially back. All those characters are way more recognizable than the Guardians of the Galaxy. Then Ant-Man, you know, the, you really think about it, the Avengers as a comic book property was dog shit. Nobody even picked it up from Marvel when they were buying all the rights to all the, you know, they picked up Punisher and Ghost Rider and nobody even, nobody even looked, you know, like. Here, here's the challenge that, uh, that I'm, that I'm going to throw out there for Marvel going forward. I don't think you're ever going to assemble, uh, 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 no pun intended a group of actors as individuals and as a whole that like fit so well together to make those characters lovable and likable across so many movies and across I th- the I, main two movies. Like I, I think that you're, it's like Wolverine, right? Like everyone's like, Oh, Wolverine, but dude's been playing Wolverine. For 20 years. For like 20 years. Like, dude can't be Wolverine anymore. Correct. So you're going to have to recast Wolverine. You are. So who would you pick? I wouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> but just think about that, though. When you casted Wolverine as Hugh Jackman, everybody was pissed. Everybody really? across the board was like, he's too fucking tall. He's supposed to be I a little. I liked Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. When you saw the movie. But leading up to the movie and you heard about the the casting choice because he'd been in like musicals and like um, Kate and Leopold, like he'd done fucking rom-coms and you're trying to cast him as the most badass fucking mutant. Like nobody was happy with that. There was a couple of bad Wolverine movies. You mean like within the X-Men series? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) But but I'm just saying like, like. But it wasn't it wasn't like the cast, it wasn't the casting that made that bad. So when you 
when you cast even even Captain America, everybody's like, what? This fucking comedy actor is going to play a straight fucking Captain America? There's no fucking way. He was Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four, and now he's going to play Captain America, go from one extreme to the other. The guy from Not Another Teen Movie, that's the guy you're going to have play Captain America? All, you're, all, I'm, all I'm saying is that chemistry and that ability to build that kind of presence is extremely rare and extremely difficult. And I just don't think that difficult. Yes. Impossible. No, they already started kind of building about it and spoilers. And you've probably already heard this, but in Dr. Strange, they already cast Mr. Fantastic. No, I haven't heard this. That's why I said no spoilers in the beginning. Asshole. And I didn't tell you who Well, they now can. I now I know that he's in it. So you just ruined it. That was Good in the job. trailer. I didn't watch any of the trailers. You're so full of shit. <laughs> Everyone was like, oh, it's the next Iron Man. No, that's stupid. No, there was no Iron Man in this. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't watch that crap because it's a lie. Do I? Like, really? Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool? You think there's ever going to be a better Ryan Reynolds Deadpool? They're not recasting I know, but that's my point. By the time they get around to doing these movies, Mark Ruffalo is not going to be the Hulk anymore. Well, isn't Dax done? Drax, Drax from the uh, um, they've Guardians got, done. They've got one more Guardians movie, and the third one, right? And then he's done. Right, done. So yeah. Drax will never be in another Marvel movie, right? Honestly, uh, James Gunn is done. Drax is done. Like he's right. You're right. Guardians of the Galaxy as a whole. So I'm just have, saying, have kind of continue to have there's no more iron man like not no more iron man there's no robert downey jr as iron man correct you know, you know as you as these actors get older that's gonna go so you're right you're gonna have to rely on these x-men properties that you're gonna have to build from nothing fantastic four so so you have to start all this over again and which, i don't think there's a storyline that can push disney as far as infinity war and endgame did i i think you'd be surprised the, I hope I am. The I hope X, I'm wrong. The X-Men properties, the Fantastic Four properties, the Illuminati, you know, like the the crossover shit that they have, like that's all like long, stri- like they're doing Secret Wars, like as a TV show. Like all of that stuff, like even like the Scroll Invasion stuff, they could bring back fucking Iron Man and say that the guy that died fighting Thanos... It wasn't actually Iron Man. It was a scroll. Like, they did that whole Civil War, scroll invasion, secret but, invasion. But I think as a Marvel fan, we would say maybe super fan, I, I, um, I, that you understand I can, all this stuff and you know all this stuff. But for the average consumer who's just there to consume a movie, isn't going to give two fucks about all uh, of that stuff. They just want to the, be on the first on the first one out. You're right. But that Civil War, that Civil War comic book arc, they did that. They they went Iron Man versus Captain America like they made it work. But it wasn't really like the comic book. Not entirely. It was kind of downplayed. The the problem was is that that X-Men property is so heavily invested in that Civil War, you know, storyline within the comics. Without them, it's hard to tell that story with as much magnitude as you need to. I'm just saying it's going to be a struggle. Struggle, maybe, but it's not. You're you're essentially going back and 
not necessarily starting over, but you're because you've already built a fan base that trusts that Marvel has their best interest in mind. <laughs> you know, Morbius. Morbius was a Sony movie. Still Marvel. Still a Marvel character. It's Marvel adjacent. <laughs> oh, here comes the excuses already. We haven't even started yet. Hey, you, you want to fucking you want to get on my balls about nitpicking fucking <laughs> Boba Fett? Uh, you know, it, I that's the thing. Like, I'm happy that there's content coming out. I would, as far as like the Skywalker story goes, yes, the high water mark is was probably passed in the '80s, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I All the other content doesn't mean shit anymore. It will never equate to that, at least for me, as you know, where I'm at in my age and what I've seen over the years. But that's the thing. Like you go that that's half of the like the interviews and stuff that you and McGregor and Hayden Christensen are saying. It's like when those prequel movies came out, they got flamed so hard by super fans, yep, such as yourself, because they weren't. They weren't their Star Wars, you know, and they were too kid friendly or whatever the case may be, but they were essentially made for children even in the seventies and eighties. Guilty, guilty pleasure. The only thing that I did not like about the prequels was Jar Jar. Say fucking Jar Jar. Honestly, and that's it. I I loved Attack of the Clones. Um, Revenge of the Sith I thought was good. You know, there's there was a lot of stuff going on there. I didn't. So I, I think. But I'm just saying, like that for me, like Empire, Return of the Jedi, that's like the high watermark for Star Wars for me personally. For you personally, and they people, could have people amazing of movies. Your, your age and older because you were a child when you saw right those originals. But the high watermark for people that were children in '99 and 2000 when those prequels were coming out, that's the high watermark for them. People who, people who are, I mean, you, legit, like you, you listen to those interviews with those two and they're like, we got so much shit. Like I didn't even want to come back to do this because I got so much shit. It wasn't until years and years later when those kids grew up and told us how much they love those fucking movies yeah. that that inspired them to come back and do this. Right. But regardless of the fans feelings, do you think that like in the grand scheme of things that that was actually the high level watermark for star Wars or was it still return or empire? Me personally, like, you know that, right? Like, so you know that children are going to have a different viewpoint on the prequels. I think gen- the last seven, eight, nine, I think generationally like people set different watermarks. I think that, you know, people who grow up with the, you know, seven, eight, nine as their star Wars, would go back and see four or five and six as, you know, classic old time movies that were boring and too so, slow. So then by your own admission now, you're saying that Endgame, Infinity War is going to be the watermark because that was your, that was your moment in your life. I consume them differently. <laughs> I, is oh, it, is now it, you're the anomaly. Huh? Is it, is it my high watermark right now? Absolutely. Like, will everything else be compared against that? Absolutely. But do I think that if they come out with a fucking X-Men movie that just blows me away more than the original, you know, the original X-Men movies or anything that... Because those 
I, I wish I had $20 on me because I would put it on this table and I would bet you that $20. That will never happen. They can make the greatest movies in the world for X-Men and, you know, but, Fantastic Four, but I don't think, in, truly in your heart, you will ever think that they are an overachievement to... So me personally? The Marvel or peak in, in already. cinematic history? You personally. Me personally? I think you're dead wrong. Really? I think you're dead wrong. I think that I hold X-Men personally. I hold X-Men over everything. Like the Avengers. You know the X-Men movies suck, right? For the most part. I'm, I mean the X-Men characters. Like that yeah, I that, that property yes. of the X-Men, the comics, the cartoon, you know, the 97 cartoon. Like that. that's where my heart is and always will be. Right. So as soon as those movies came out, like the, even the original ones – they had horrific flaws to them, but they still hold such a a spot for me sure. just because those are those are my characters. Yeah. So regardless of what they do with them, I will always... So you're going to see Professor X in a different way from a different actor. Way more than you are today. What do you or mean? Or like Patrick Stewart okay. as Professor X. You're the next Professor X, whoever that might be, do you really think that you're going to think that that next Professor X is better than Patrick Stewart? Maybe. Nah, you won't. I, maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Just like I'll never believe any Wolverine is better than Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Maybe that's the case. But does it mean that I can't consume it and like it? No. You know, and hold it higher than Avengers? I think it's a stretch. Personally. For you, sure. But for me, those old Spider-Man, 90s Spider-Man and 90s X-Men cartoons, sure. that's my that's my empire. That's my Return of the Jedi. That's that's where like my fandom really kicked in. But you wouldn't say that those cartoons are better than Endgame? Endgame. As a whole? Sure. Yeah. Really? I, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one that I that I couldn't watch, I would say I would pick the X Men cartoons from the nineties, hands down over Endgame. I would I would rather watch those over and over again, over Endgame, hundred percent. Why? Because you watch Endgame sixty seven times. I've probably watched it way more than that, but <laughs> but I mean I've watched those X Men cartoons. I bought the bootlegs. Before. When, when's the last time you watched the X Men cartoons? Last week. You yeah. do this to me all the time. Like you don't <laughs> like you were super surprised with my fandom on Ghostbusters. Okay, but okay. So then again, let's go back to your own admission. Then so so no X Men product from here on out will ever surpass your cartoons. Right? That could be. Right. Will the X-Men cartoons ever lose that place in my heart? No. No. Just like if they made a badass Star Wars, you know, R-rated, you know, hacker slasher gore, I'd love it to death, but it would probably never It would never suppress Empire. Right. Right. So that's all I'm saying. Like, that's your watermark. My watermark is not, like, thematically, like, movie-wise, is Endgame at the top you know, top of my list is, you know, far favorite Marvel movie. Between Infinity War and Endgame as a whole, 
I think you have to count him as one movie. Then, yeah. Like, is that my favorite Marvel movie of all time? Right now, sure. Yeah. Because it's the culmination of all the other movies. Now, do I <coughs> do I dislike the any of the X-Men movies? Enough to say that I... No. Like, I, there's Phoenix? not... What was that, Phoenix one? The last one was a little dicey, but that last one, they put them in the most comic book uh, costumes that were closer to the cartoons that I was a fan of than any of the other ones ever had. I think for X-Men, they should dirty it up a little bit. Like that whole, like, sterile, you know, Marvel, um, you know, Avengers... The I want I want more, more lighthearted comedy style of it. Yeah, I want some more like grit. The last Wolverine. Yeah, I mean just... I don't think necessarily that an R-rated X-Men movie would necessarily be bad. I think that they they proved that they could pull it up. I mean, even Deadpool was funny while clipping an R rating. Logan was, you know, by far one of hailed as critically as one of the fucking best Marvel movies that they've put out. So can you do grit like that? Absolutely. But do I think that they should all be like that? I don't think so. I think that that's where Marvel has gotten it right is they've changed the tone and style of each of their Marvel movies throughout, you know, like you've got winter soldier, which is kind of a political thriller, you know, like it's not a, it's not a strict, it's not the same as Iron Man. You know, Ant-Man's a heist movie. Like, you have all these different themes that are outside of whatever the last one was. Yeah, I guess I was referring more to, like, the the look and the feel of the movie, not necessarily the content. I don't necessarily... I think... You know what I mean by sterile? Like, everything is real clean. Yeah. Even if they're doing... The way that it's shot is, you know, darker, grittier, you know... That's it's not all. Want. It's not all bright and colorful. Yeah, like Logan. Know. Like Logan. Like if they made every X Men, like, like Logan, dirty and gritty, like Logan, that'd be great. Yes, I think that's real life. Sure, and I think that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I I got no problems with Logan. Yeah. I liked how it was shot. I liked how it was done. Like I, he's he's being poisoned the whole movie. Professor X is like this invalid that he's got to take care of. He's got a girl, a child that he cannot control. It's always dusty. It's always dirty. It's just... That's good for a movie. I don't think they should all be like that. Just That's one of the reasons I stopped watching The Walking Dead is there's no catharsis after, you know, The Walking Dead. You know, it's always a fucking downer. Like, I mean, if you got movies that are all shot like that, where you're, it's always on a fucking downer. It's always fucking grit. It's always fucking gnarly. You, you. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good example of maybe a more upbeat movie that's a little, just not sterile. Like even Star, even the early Star Wars. When you think about like it was done purposefully, all the stormtroopers are white. They're clean. Right. There's not a spot of dirt on them. You know the 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 spaceships, like everything. Till you see the Millennium Falcon, obviously. Um, but that's what I mean by sterile. Like Ant Man in his uniform, it's perfectly pressed. There's like there's no dirt on it. Like it's just 
So how do you, I'm trying to say. So, so how do you feel about the the Iron Man movies, like where his his fucking armor gets tore up, and like you see the battle fucking scars yes. on his armor and shit like that, yes. like. So you can do it like that, like where, like you said, it's not as sterile, it's not clean cut, you know, even, you know, that's what I kind of like about the Marvel movies is, again, at the end of Winter Soldier, you know, Steve Rogers is battered, fucking bloody, he's in the fucking hospital bed, his fucking face is all rearranged, he just gets fucking the shit beat out of him, and you see that. Like, yeah. it's not like the next scene and he's, you know, sitting in the fucking hospital bed and he's got a scratch on his cheek or something like that. You know, like, that I get. Like, yeah. showing the real-world consequence of what they're actually doing, for sure. You know, like, that's that needs to be a huge part of it. Like, it's not that you can't really move backwards on. You've already set that bar. Like, yeah. even in the, even in the Marvel movies, not even, not even Logan, but, like, in the Marvel movies, like you do start to see the wear on these people. Like, you you know, it's it's kind of a funny callback, but, like, after Civil War and you go into Spider-Man Homecoming, Tony's riding around in the limo with him and he's got a big fucking black eye on him. So, like, even across movies, they're showing the battle scars on him and it's the emotional drain and the story, and, you know, the character development and that, and, like, the Iron Man not being the same person he was in Iron Man 1 as when he sacrificed himself in Endgame. Like, that character development, I love that shit. Yeah. And if you... I'll have to think of a good example for the next episode, something to, something to compare it to. That's not, like, down and sad, but yeah, also okay. still kind of, like, not sterile. Deadpool. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's the lighting. Maybe it's the... The grid of it. Yeah, I get... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it very well. It's not, it wasn't fantasized. Like it wasn't, you didn't have the costumes. You didn't have the, it was more of a real world. This is, you're dealing with the most powerful mind in the world going senile. Like you're dealing with, you know, a mutant that's been around for hundreds of years dying because of the thing that makes them the strongest. You know, like you're real world consequencing the life that they live more or less like you're or even just like when when wolverine's like running through the forest and logan and he's just like he's putting spikes through faces and like they show it oh, and it's brutal that, and you're just like yeah like that's the, what i want to see or the fucking hotel scene when he's fucking freaking out but he's going through and he's popping claws through and yes. you see him pop out the fucking yes. top of their heads and shit like yes. that he or even the fucking opening scene when he he cuts up the Mexicans trying to steal his fucking rims. Like, and you see a fucking arm go off. You see him fucking spike somebody. Like, right. Like, that's that's what I mean when I mean, like, you're, you're not necessarily being, like, depressed. You're just being really gritty in how you're showcasing uh, the character. So, like, Steve Rogers, right? Perfect example. He never, like, shoots anyone or stabs anyone. There's hardly any blood. In most of the Marvel movies, sure, right? No, I get that. You know, oh, I hit him with my shield. I punched him in the face and knocked him out. They fell down. It's very <laughs> sterile. Yeah, it's very yeah. clean and very sterile. And I guess um, that that's probably a good example. Like when he's in the hotel room and he's slowly walking through and like the camera's shaking and, you know, and he's just like popping his claws through people's head in slow motion. And you're like, yeah, that's raw. I but mean, it's like, it's it's that kind of feeling, but doing it... So the first grander scale. So, and I got a 
Wolverine boner in X-Men 2, like, because he, like, that was the, like, when they break into the school and he's taking out all them fucking soldiers, like, he's stabbing motherfuckers, he's throwing them around and shit like that. Like, that was probably the most gritty it had been up until that point. Like, you had Spider-Man, like, Green Goblin gets stabbed with his glider or whatever, but, like, as far as movies go, even that first X-Men movie wasn't as brutal, wasn't as, like you said, gritty and kind of showing motherfuckers get stabbed. But, like, that second X-Men movie, like I said, it was a lot more, you know, it was a lot more stabby-stabby. <laughs> you know, like, he was he was actually unloading on some people, and, like, that I loved. Like, I instantly, I, that movie shot up to, like, top of my list, you know, yeah. just by seeing that one scene where he's just going badass crazy on all them fucking soldiers trying to protect the kids in the school like that yeah that to me was probably a pivotal moment like of those x-men movies God, i can't think of a good movie that's like not depressing i was gonna say the crow like that's pretty you know yeah not a whole lot of yeah, catharsis in that movie either. it's a little depressing <laughs> there's definitely know? no happy ending on that one no but, uh, but just that kind of like you know, you got a bunch of mutants that nobody wants and everyone's afraid of. You and know? how can that not be something that's more gritty? And I, that, I think sterile? when you when you go super, I think the only reason that worked on Logan was because of how well established Hugh Jackman and was as Wolverine. I think if you start off a franchise like that, you're going to lose a ton of the fan base on it. Maybe. Guess we'll find out. I mean, I don't think that f- <laughs> coming out the gate that Mar- Marvel and Disney are going to throw another R-rated X-Men movie out there. But, no. I th- but I think that it could build up to that. And I think that with Deadpool in that universe and at least you know a proven track record of making a billion dollars on an R-rated movie like that, I think it's... An, it's Within the cards, I but think. But don't don't you think Deadpool can be more, more, more R rated? Yeah, should sure. be more R rated. I I also think that they with adding those Netflix shows back into the fold. I think that you're you're going to develop a separate, almost like a Marvel Dark separate division of movies where they can take more chances with that shit i thought of one punisher which one the series on netflix okay with john bernthal yeah i've seen seen it that's what i mean by like gritty non-sterile like it's still like a story and there's still highs and lows all those all those netflix shows were just like that like they were yeah so that's what i mean like like make a movie in a series like that sure that'd be awesome and they spoilers i don't think you're ever going to watch hawkeye which is the only reason i'm going to spoil this but hawkeye towards the end of the series hawkeye basically centered around more or less kingpin being the big bad of that one so with vincent d'onofrio being the kingpin Mm -hmm. so they have tied those netflix shows into the marvel universe so with that being said, and then you pop up um, Daredevil and Spider-Man and 
you're you're asking for more R-rated content. Like they're tiptoeing in that water right now, testing it out to see how it goes. I don't think you're far from seeing Doctor Strange fight Daredevil or something and have something really fucking gritty. I hope so. And cuz I think that's like one thing that's was missed and like the Avengers movies was you have this I think their heroes got beat to fuck and like you saw them take the damage but I don't think it showed enough of like you said you know henchmen's taking damage or you know really villains taking damage yeah. like you don't see that after effect of that and a lot of that I think like I said I think Disney's I think Disney's tiptoeing around that and I think that they're gauging the the response and the overall fandom of that to see if that is profitable for them. Well, I think if Netflix series were any indication, that's I think that's why they took all those properties back. I think they so took them they back, but I think they do what they need to do. Unfortunately, they started high with those, but they finished super weak. Like the Defenders and Iron Fist were kind of. I don't want to say hot garbage, but they were poorly conceptualized and executed. Yeah. Like, based off of the other ones and how well those were done, Iron Fist and the Defenders were kind of, okay, we know we're done after this. Let's just put something out. Yeah. So I think, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the in the near future. But uh, like I said, I'm just excited that there's content coming out at all. I'm less than jazzed about this Miss Marvel show. Like, it's not... I think that's very kid-focused. It is, like, John Hughes, like, high school drama kind of focused. And being that I'm 30, going to be 37 this year, it's a tad outside my wheelhouse at this point. Yeah, and that's, you know... Maybe Miss Marvel is someone else's high water. Yeah, and <laughs> that's probably true because there's there's a ton of inclusion in that show. You know, you have you have gay characters, you have you know Pakistani characters, you know Middle Eastern characters. There's a lot of focus on you know Middle Eastern families and you know their religion and how that works within New Jersey and now her expectations and all that like i'm sure there's a lot of people that really identify with that it's just that one's a character that came long after i started my fandom and like it's it's a character that i don't know a ton about yeah and i think that's also a character that's designed to be your kids right character like you just said like it's a new generation of marvel watchers and I think that this new phase of the movies even are really kind of... So is that going to help the movies or is that going to hurt the movies? Are they going to make them for the kids or are they going to make them for the 37-year-olds? I think that you're going to get to a point where they're making both. Like I think that you're going to have the kid-friendly stuff like Miss Marvel on, you know, on Disney+. Plus. But I think, I mean, if Doctor Strange was any indication, I think you're going to have, I think you're going to have Marvel movies that are 
more geared towards adults. Yeah. So even the new Thor movie that's coming out looks, I mean, looks pretty fucking solid. Like uh, all the trailers and I've everything I've seen, they Taika Waititi's a fucking hilarious director. So I think yeah. I think as you get new directors like him, where Marvel's letting them take a bigger swing at shit, like I think you'll get better movies out of it. Like people that are taking a little bit more chances while still coloring within the Marvel coloring book. You know, like it's like that. Thor Ragnarok was completely different than the first two and probably the most successful out of the three. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And this is the same guy that did that one, wrote and directed this one. So it's, I think, when you allow them to draw a little outside the lines of what those characters were thought to be, I think that's when you start developing those characters into what they ought to be. I guess we're going to find out. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to follow us on Instagram at FUTonyPodcasting or www.FUTonyPodcasting.com. And we will be trying to release weekly episodes along with uh, getting new shows started. So stay tuned for more fun and adventures. Thank you.